Let me introduce myself. I'm Damon Wilkes. I'm the student pastor here at the Way Bible Church with the best group of students in the world. We're going to have fun today. I, amen. This is a, a scripture that we say a lot, but we only say part of it. And I think we cheat ourselves. Y'all know we do that sometimes. Like we just take, you know, like a snippet of a verse and we stand on it. The actual lengthier version of this to me is so much better. And it's found in Joshua 24, 14 through 15 is what we're going to read. Now it starts like this. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. It didn't say a little bit, did it? This is all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers, worship beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Throw away the things that we do not prioritize as, you know, our real priorities being Jesus. Nowadays, that could be throw away all the sports that your kids play, all of them. Amen. I mean, it's okay. I'm not saying sports are bad, but if, we, if that's our priority, there's something wrong with that, correct? Throw away the gods of your forefathers, worship beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers, whether the tradition of your forefathers and your grandmother and your grandfather, the religion of your grandmother and your grandfather, your mother your father, the racism of which you were brought up, the muck of which you were brought up that you thought was everything. It says, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites, in which whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen? That's such a powerful scripture. Like I said, the, the whole part of that's good, but we only do that last part, right? So to me, I hear a perfect, I'm a Alamo fan. I like stuff of the Alamo. And, and in the Alamo, you know, he, he draws a line in the sand. He's like, who's with me? He kind of pulls the Jerry Maguire. He's like, who's coming with me? And they start stepping over. They start stepping over. And to me, that is the perfect draw line in the sand scripture. He's like, listen, from this day forward, now that you've been told about how good God is, make a choice. Man, I am telling you, I have tried to hang on the world, and I've tried to be in the Word. I've tried to be in both, and eventually you're going to fall. And, and if you do it to yourself, you get to just kind of recover by yourself. But sometimes it's so big, you fall in front of everybody. Sometimes you jump on the stage when the pastor tells you to and break your shin. The, one of the funnest things, I'm thinking of family stuff, and I can tell you the most awkward time growing up in a family and being a part of a family now is something that we call the family portrait. Dude, it's so frustrating because you're like, I'm leaning, but you have to like tilt your head as you lean. And there's nothing more awkward about kind of growing up than the family portrait. Now, I joke and I kid, as y'all know, that uh, I'm married to a, a Hispanic young lady. Y'all give Laura a hand clap. Yeah. Y'all may have the same thing. Our families are different. Anybody got a different family? I'm not talking about the crazy uncle. I'm talking like your in-laws are different. For instance, Laura's dad's a pastor, and their church starts about one-ish. And when I say ish, it's a deep-ish. It's about 125, 130, they're rolling in. We found out through parties and whatnot, like, hey, we're starting at 12. That doesn't work, does it, babe? Laura, bless her heart, is kind of uh, it's ingrained in her. She's a late runner. Anybody else just late runners? Everywhere you go, you're just late. All right, pastor, put... <laughs> You need somebody in your life that can raise your hand. The one thing about that is you, you need those type of people around you because let me, let me drop a little Debo nugget here. If you have a friend who won't tell you you have a booger, you don't have a friend. 
Because real talk, how are you going to pass along somebody some right living tips like, hey, you know, seek God and quit doing that. If they won't tell you you got a booger, they sure are not going to tell you to change your life. That's deep. Y'all take it as deep as you want, man. Show us the, the happy family. And, and there's nothing wrong. They're just happy. Yeah, look at them. Happy. But I want you to look at something, and, and we're going to get serious for a little bit. What if that dad is dealing with addiction to pills. On the portrait side of it, he looks happy. On the church side of it, y'all look happy. Dressed up, nice looking. I mean, you look like you've got it together. And some of you are so good at it, even when we say, hey, you having a good day? Oh, yes, brother. Great day. We wear our expressions like we do for certain events. This was an event, correct? It took time to get everybody together, to get Barbara and, and Julie and, and little Frankie and these two. It took, it took time to get all these kids, everybody laid on top of each other, but whatever. The photographer was not going to take it until they were in the right moment, correct? That's the whole purpose. But as I look at this, one of the saddest things, but you know, you'll see these news stories like, uh, man, you know, man, father of two kills so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And the first thing one they want to show is like this family portrait. You know, like the guy's just normal looking. We don't know the demons that are hiding within us. Now, here's the thing. As a family, we're made up of individuals. We may be a family. I, I've got two boys, and my two boys could not be any different. They've literally brought up the same exact house, the same exact way, the same exact everything, but they couldn't be different. So you can't say, even if you're brother and sister, that you're the same. We see this, and, and everybody is an individual. Some of them are probably having a bad day. You know, I know the kids are because they're there. But some of them are probably in a, in a bad situation. Mom, you know, is just slowly sinking into depression because dad works too much and he's never around. And, and the daughter, this lovely daughter over here, she's in a relationship that is slowly just killing her inside and out. The little boy's being bullied so much that almost to a point of death. And y'all think I'm being cliche on this stuff. I'm actually saying this stuff because this is real life situations. Sadly, it is. And so basically, as we look at this group of individuals that make up a family, we have a choice to make on our individual basis because this cannot be done as a family per se until it's done as an individual. And that is asking yourself, is who are you going to serve? It can't just be the Father saying, this day I will serve, we will serve the Lord. I understand it. you as a leader are going to physically make your group go to church, maybe do a, a Bible study, blah, blah, blah. But it's made up of individuals. That brings me to a place that is one of the most loved yet hated areas in our household. It tells the truth at all times, yet sometimes it lies. It's got a lot of heavy traffic. It's got a lot of things that are going on around it. It's got a whole lot of just truth-telling serum within it. It's a mirror. You look at it, probably look at it twice, three times a day. Since we're talking about portraits, I'm going to take a, first let me take a selfie. <laughs> this mirror that I'm looking at, however, does not lie. In the fact, if it says like, oh, you don't look good, then, then you probably don't look that good. It, it doesn't lie when I look and I'm like, hey, I need to lose some weight. It doesn't lie. But in the same token, it also does tend to lie to us sometimes when you look at it and go, woo, yeah, I got it going on. I look good. Do this. You may check it, you know. You may look. Look, everything's all right. It's going to look at your outside only. And sadly, our outside only does not tell the real tale of what our life should be about. In James 1, uh, in chapter 1, 22 through 25, 
I'll give you a minute to get there. As you're getting there, James 1, 22 through 25, if you want to go there. The, the mirror's been talked about in songs and talked about in, in Disney movies and Dr. Phil and Oprah, and these people will say, look in the mirror and see if that's who you like. Do you like the person looking at you? That's my Dr. Phil is what that is. Do you like the person looking? That's Bill Clinton. Do you, do you like the person looking at you? And, and you look, and you're like, you know, no, and they tell you, like, how to change it and blah, 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 and, and, and all this stuff. And all that makes sense, how you can change yourself. However, the person that we should be looking at, we, that we should be seeing when we look in a mirror, shouldn't be ourselves. James 1, 22 through 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, shall be blessed in whatever he does. So in other words, you've got a choice there to say, am I seeing myself or should I see love and law in Jesus? The mirror is a place that, like I said, it doesn't lie, but yet it lies all the time, really. It's an internal thing. We're going to put a number on this screen. Caitlin and Jake have that number. The thing I want you to do as, as we're kind of going through this, the next 10 minutes or so, I want you to text the thing that you hate the most. If you look on there, for some of you, a physical thing like, well, I hate my eyes. I hate the color of my skin. I hate this. I hate my thighs. I hate my whatever. Text kind of things that are going on, even spiritually. I put one up here. I put fear is what I put. Because a lot of times my life revolves around fear, and I'm going to explain that to you. I'm not talking about fear of snakes because y'all know I like snakes. I'm not afraid of things, but I, I have, and I'm going to explain this to you. I think we all do. A lot of us have built our whole spiritual life upon scare tactics. Y'all ever seen the show Scare Tactics? They go through these elaborate pr pranks just to scare somebody. And listen to where I'm going with this, and you'll fully understand. Do you sometimes do things in your life, the good stuff that you do in your life, because you don't want to get caught doing the bad stuff? In other words, if your whole relationship with Jesus is built on the fact of fear of going to hell, that is not a relationship. That's a scare tactic. That's all that is. I'm not crazy about heaven in, in a Christ walk, but I sure as heck don't want to go to hell. A walking Christian, an everyday living Christian has got to base themselves on faith and not fear. When I got revelation of this, I started looking at my life and how much stuff I do simply because I don't want to get in trouble for not doing something. Now, I'm not talking about going out and killing somebody or hitting them in the face, but just little things like, no, you know, I probably, man, somebody may get mad if I say that, right? As opposed to like, don't say that because it's not speaking life, correct? The one thing that is so cool to me is we put up this nice face and we put up this friendly face when we're doing these portraits. But actually, in all seriousness, what I took while ago with the selfie is really more representative of us. That's the reason why we're a lot more comfortable when, it, hey, like, hey, let's take a picture, you know, or like, hey, you know, I, they don't even know it. Miss Linda's sneaking around taking pictures of everybody. And that's when you see, like, the most vibrant pictures because they're being themselves. And that should be that way in our walks. Dads, I want to explain something to you. It goes along with the scare tactics thing. And we're going to look at dads and mothers and kids. And dads, I, in 1 John 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. 
Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made uh, perfect in love. You know why the law was given in, in the Old Testament? It wasn't given for believers. It was given for those that couldn't walk in belief. It was given for the sinners where they know how far they could go. How many of, of us are still living upon the fact of just, I don't want to get in trouble as opposed to I'm doing this out of love? Dads, listen to this. Our standards shouldn't be our father. It should be the father. Our standards should not be our father, it should be the father. Because I'm a father now, and, and I, I'm going to go ahead and say this, I make mistakes. We make mistakes, and therefore, we've got to be firm in the fact of letting our kids know. Let me, don't hear me, don't, don't tune me out, because I want you to get this. Did you know there's times in life where you need to apologize to your children? Take the ego out, guys. Take the pride out. And sometimes in life, you have to go, I blew it on that one. I blew it on that one. Because if you don't, you're teaching them that it is okay to go ahead and do what you just did. Our whole purpose in growing up children is, is growing them up and then training them and training them and training them to go out as an adult. Correct. Does anybody want to keep their kid till they're 40, 45? Anybody? So our whole purpose is to train them to when they uh, approach the world, they do so with Jesus. The priority in our life has got to be Jesus. Y'all, unless you are one out of a zillion, softball and baseball should not be your priority. Are we teaching them how to steal second more than we're teaching them the Word? Are we teaching them how to make goals and how to, how to uh, reach the next level and how to do this and how to do that in everyday other stuff rather than how do you live in Christ. I'm going to tell you all something. Dads, hear me out on this. If you do not teach your daughter love, she will get it somewhere else. I see it time and time again. If you do not teach your daughter that you love her for who she is and her father in heaven loves her for who she is, she's going to find somebody that loves her for what she is. Mom, I, I'm, I'm praying for you that, that, that you continue to see the, the fact of, of, of you are needed in a son's life as much as you are a daughter's life. A daughter's life, of course, the same thing with guys and sons and, and, and fathers. We should be teaching them how to be Proverbs 31 women. We, they've got plenty of help how to do the world. All they got to do is turn on the TV and they learn how to curl their hair right and the right shade of makeup and those jeans don't fit right and blah, blah, blah. They learn all that soon enough. And if they go to public school, they learn it sooner than what they probably needed to. And, and, and so I want to challenge you to teach them how to look for relationships that are built on the Word. I'm going to tell you something. One of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. How do you not love the story of the prodigal son, right? But the prodigal son was made up, and the story was, 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 was given with the acceptance of there was a prodigal father waiting on the front porch. Parents, have we neglected the fact of we've pushed our kids away because now we get to be us? And then question, why are my kids so wrong? It's because you left the front porch. You left the front porch awaiting your prodigal son or daughter. It takes that prodigal son's father to make the story complete. We, in all respects, have been a prodigal son or a daughter at one time or another. Uh, maybe not as bad or, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe to an extent that's even worse. Um, we'll get to a couple of scriptures for the kids here in a minute. Hear me on this. All the parents say, I love you, Debo. Say it again. If you want your kids to honor you, be honorable. If you want your students to honor you, be honorable. And I'll tell you this, 
The Bible says honor your parents, honor your mother and your father. It doesn't give a clause until they're 60 or until you leave or until this or until that. So parents, are you honoring your parents? Because here's the thing. If you're quoting this scripture at your students, at your kids saying honor your mother and your father, but yet you're not honoring your mother or your father, and they hear you on the phone griping at them. They hear you hang up when you and you want to talk about them some more. If they hear this day in and day out, why would they honor you if you don't honor them? Am I saying that all parents are perfect? In the same way our parents are not perfect, it's the same way we're not perfect. Sons, I want to talk to my students for a minute. It's very important that, that we do honor our mothers and our fathers. And let me explain something to you with relationships real quick, and this just kind of bridged the gap a little bit. A relationship for us was talking to a girl at school that you like. Just hang with me. It's been a while. For some of you, it's been 10 years. For some of you, like you and Moses were best friends, and you and Moses went on double dates, stuff like that. You took a wagon to her house. So, you know, whatever. I'm just... I'm just saying. But but for some of us, it's so different in the fact of of there we don't understand how a young person can fall in love in three weeks. We we don't get that. Let me explain to you how this happens. Our whole uh, relationship was based, uh, you know, like if you started dating a girl uh, in in tenth grade, let's just say tenth grade. If you started dating a girl in tenth grade, you were driving, but you may get to see her maybe five ten minutes at school tops. Correct. And there was no cell phones. So therefore, your whole contact with that young lady that whole day was five or ten minutes. Between these students on their phones, they're talking somewhere between 200 and 300 conversations a day. And, and I don't know about y'all. Laura does this. Laura, Laura's not a big talker, right? Until you get, I mean, you know, she, she'll talk. But on a text, she will share her most intimate, most loving secrets ever with me. And so, and does anybody else do that? Do you get a little bit more in-depth, maybe have a harder conversation than you would face-to-face? Correct. You know, everybody's pointing at their husbands and wives right now. Maybe, you, you know, like, hey, babe, I went over budget. You know, that's, that's a text thing. That's not, that's not dinner stuff. That's, I'm going to text you that. The thing is, what, what they're doing is they're doing this day in and day out. And then, and then the fact, because we as parents give them anything that they want and don't gripe about it if you give them everything that they want. And, and I do this too. Like, my kids are so spoiled. Quit spoiling them. I mean, right? Stop it. I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And their whole relationship is, is being built day in and day out, day in and day out, not really off physical interaction. But to them, it's the same thing because that's all they know. So get with me. That's all they know. And so they've talked to this person basically all during school. They've talked to this person all day, and then at night, even get to talk to them on the phone phone. One of my favorite things I remember about being young and talking to the girl you love, hey, baby, what are you doing? And you will fall asleep on the phone. Anybody? Anybody? Yes. Like, and, and, and then it's this. You awake? <laughs> yeah, I'm, Hold on. Mom came in. And you will do that and just you just talk to talk. You ain't got even nothing to say. You just be on the phone listening to music together. <laughs> just on the phone, just that's a good song. Let's listen. <laughs> got Bon Jovi just cranking. But understand how quick their relationships are building compared to ours. We may on a Friday night may hopefully get an opportunity to take them out. And we got two hours to do it. She needs to be home by like 9.15. You had to go get them and take them to K-Bob's because that's all there was. You had to take them to K-Bob's and then they were mean to you, but you still took them. They didn't like, old, they didn't like young people. 
So you get up and you take them out, and luckily she may scooch over, and y'all may get to ride like this, which, you know, law won't let you do, you know, anymore, I don't think. The hope of everything that we have is built on, hopefully I'm going to get to spend a little bit more time with this man or this woman, this young man, this young woman. Guys, they're doing that. I bet they've texted their, their boyfriend or girlfriend 22 times while I've been talking. But do you understand, everything that you do, I, it is just funny. I've got pictures on my phone from camps or, or youth group events or whatever, and all 35, 45, 120 people are on their phone. And y'all don't say nothing because I do it too, like this, talking to people. <laughs> and not miss a beat. They're talented like that. We, we weren't. And, and, and so I want you to understand the difference in, 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 in what they go through compared to what we go through. They, their, their relationships are fast-tracked. And then, of course, add what they're seeing on TV. And I mean, we're, I'm not even getting into all that. And, and, and daughters, I, you've got to understand. Young ladies, you've got to understand. There is a, a, an ability to not settle that's made into your life. Did you know that? And that's actually going to bring me, that brings me to a, a group of people that, that I love ministering to because I, 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 I remember what it's like. It's been a while, but I remember what it's like. And that is our singles. All the single ladies, all the singles. If you're single, lift your hand up for me. That youth too, yeah. I mean, are y'all not single? We we need to talk. Uh, if you're single in here, raise your hand for me. Okay, amen, amen. Listen to this, and I wrote these down because we're going to get in this good. Singles, I want you to, because you're probably the one who looks in the mirror the most, right? Because once you get married, you're just like, oh. <laughs> Same shirt, three days in a row, oh, whatever. But, but singles, you know, they're like, they'll walk by a mirror. Just check themselves out real quick. Here's some things I've got for you, and I, I want you to get this in your spirit. Are you checking out your face, or should you be seeking his face? Are you looking at your waistline when he is concerned with your wasted time on meaningless things? Are you concerned more about smelling good than pouring your worship onto the living king? Are you more concerned about that dude you work with than the Savior who died for you? Are you running towards people instead of running towards Jesus? Are you trying to beautify your outside more than building yourselves up in your faith? Is the loneliness driving you to settle? Is your age pushing you towards mediocrity? And did you know that you do not have to get married? Did you know that you do not have to get married and have 2.2 kids and live in a white picket fence and this and that and blah, 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 that you can serve the rest of your, of your life chasing God country to country if you want to? Just remember that. You do not have to get married. I don't care if that's what your mom and dad did. You do not have to get married. You, you, you chase God and then let him do the rest. Did you know that you can be different than the way that you were raised? Did you know that you can have opportunity to change your family? Did you know that you don't have to be a mom or a dad? Did you know that you can chase God and not man's approval? Are you sick of being professional relationship person? Are you sick of being a professional relationship person. Because I, 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 I know this, and I've talked to enough people to know what happens is when we start chasing relationships, well, they just kind of fall right in our lap, if you didn't know that. That's the way that works. You know, if you're looking for something, you're going to find that something. It doesn't mean it's the right one, but you're going to find that something. So be careful with that. Uh, and Derek took me fishing. Derek's an awesome guide and, and an awesome guy. He took me fishing here all back. And, and one thing that we noticed on that boat was you're not going to catch fish if no fish are there. Just throwing in dirt and expecting a fish to jump out of the dirt is not going to happen. You have to fish in areas that look fishy. You know, they're in a cove. We went through coves. 
I was a little bit scared, looking for the turtle man. We went through little coves, you know, and we're throwing, and, and we're catching them and stuff like that. And, and, and it dawned on me, how often are we doing this as our single young men and young women? How often are you trying to fish in places where there is no fish? If you hang out with trash, you're going to smell trashy. There ain't nothing spiritual about that. That's just some real talk right there. If you hang out with trash, you're going to smell trashy. And therefore, you're never going to find the love of your life, my everything. Listen, if you don't want to be in the club, then don't go find a guy that's in the club. And it really boils down to this. For a church that came in here to church, I can't even see myself anymore. We may not be as perfect as we think. I want to tell you something. Those things that, that we wrote on here, the physical things, uh, how do I put this nicely? They don't matter. They don't matter one bit. If, if, if we're challenging our life's goal to be the best baseball player, best softball player, the best policeman even, or the, you know, the best, best welder, the best at anything that we could do, that's fine and dandy. But let me tell you something. There's always going to be somebody faster and stronger and better looking and, and richer, and, and they're going to be able to beat you in whatever you're searching for when it comes to things of this world. You're never going to be able to be everything that you want to be in your physical body, every, it, it, Joel's in perfect shape. And I can promise you, if you ask him, he's like, no, I really, I need this one part. I, I want this one part to be bigger, correct? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason why you, you strive for these things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when, when it becomes your priority in life, there is an issue there. There is an issue there. And so when we look at this mirror, we shouldn't be concerned with the person looking back as much as the person that should be looking back. The person that should be looking back, of course, is our Jesus. It's all about the standard is what it's all about. If our standard has been made to be compared to somebody else, we're either going to fail that standard or we're going to do great at that standard because it goes both sides. Like if, if, if you're looking at me and going like, man, my Christian walk looks nothing like his. Mine's awesome. His ain't. Does that make you any better? Not at all. Because the standard is who? Jesus. Pastor, doctor, whatever he is, Tony Evans, told the story about Jonathan, his son. And, and Jonathan was like 13. Jonathan went and played pro football, real great athlete. And, and Jonathan was a young kid, and he came running in. He told dad, his dad, he said, I dunked the ball. And his dad's like, no, you didn't. He's like, no, I did, really. I dunked the ball. Like, I tore it down, man. I, I was doing behind the, you know, behind the windmill 370-22, diving dunks and everything. Well, when Tony Evans walked out there, he realized that his son had lowered the goal. Are we playing on a lowered goal court this morning spiritually? Are we playing on a court that is so easy to score? Because really what it boils down to is if you want something that's on this, you know good and well all you have to do is uh, you can have surgery, you can work out, whatever. It is to get that physical side fixed, correct? And in this time and day and age, most of that stuff you can get fixed. And in most of that stuff, we've lowered that goal so low down to where, like, that standard's pretty easy to read. And if you went to courts all across the USA and one's at 12 foot, one's at this one, one's at that, you never can have a consistent walk. Get with me on this. If you're going to court to court, if in your family you've got an 8-foot goal, but then at church you've got a 13-foot goal, and then at work you've got a 2-foot goal because people are just going to make you mad, how can you be consistent in walking this walk? How can you be consistent in running this race? In the armor of God, it talks about our feet being fitted with the readiness of the gospel. 
Do you know what it means when it says it got fitted? It means it was worn. It was able to be able to walk in. If you get new shoes for the first time, you don't like those new shoes for the first time you put them on. you got to break them in. You've got to use them. And so if your feet today are fitted with the readiness of, of the gospel, that's what you have to ask yourself is, well, am I ready? Are these shoes broke in? Because today I believe they can be. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us himself through Jesus. In Ephesians 2.19, it says, so now you Gentiles, and if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile, amen? So he says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, amen? You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You probably know where I'm going. Galatians 4.7 says, uh, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Galatians 3, 29 says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Romans 8, 17, you know I can't do nothing until I put Romans 8 on something. Romans 8, 17 says, Now if we are children of God, then we are heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. Quit allowing our family portrait to only include our family. Because it sounds like we're missing the Father if we do not understand that we are heirs. We are brothers and sisters with Christ and what he has done for us. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. 